On this episode, it's round two of the Way of the Ninja Month, and on this edition, we're going surfing, brah. It's a PG martial arts film, so there's no dirty language or any neck-snapping action here, but we do get plenty of a red-headed Rob Schneider, a real-life father and son on-screen combo, and who remembers Sega Game Gear? It's Surf Ninjas. But before we moto-surf, let's jam. All I need are some tasty waves, cool buzz, and I'm fine. talking surf ninjas from 1993 and oh man this movie is basically a time machine back to that year 93 because it looks the fucking year in every single way from the clothes the music the fucking the language everything it's glorious surf ninjas is written and directed by neil israel he also wrote police academy one as well as bachelor party from way back in the 80s that also is a film he directed um he's mostly done a lot of tv shows one of my all-time favorites the wonder years a forgotten gem shasta mcnasty and then a whole bunch of disney bullshit uh but this little fun fact about him this is the first film he directed since 1986 so a little seven year gap and then he kind of hung it up from there because this was the last film that he directed so not really a career killer but maybe just wasn't his thing directing you know hollywood films and it does star ernie reyes jr we all know and love him from ninja turtles 2 the secret of the use he played kino the fun loving pizza boy He's also from Rush Hour 2, and basically just a whole bunch of martial arts stunt work in Hollywood. You know, he's really great at it. And then his papa bear, Ernie Reyes Sr., is also in this film. And this is his biggest role to date. Uh, he's only been in one other title, The Last Dragon, from way back in the 70s. And that pretty much wraps up his filmography. But we also get Rob Schneider in there. You know, he's one of the SNL Bad Boy alumni. And he starred in a couple films like Deuce Bigelow, 1 and 2, The Hot Chick, which I actually just recently rewatched, and it's horrible, of course. I mean, it's got the terrible early 2000s music, style, all that nonsense. But it's funny, you know, Rob Schneider just, he, I, he's growing on me in a weird way. He's just got really good delivery in his comedic style. He's definitely not the guy you'd want to have as your leading role. But, you know, he makes a good sidekick. And that's basically what we've seen him in mostly is, you know, those films I mentioned that he starred in. And then basically a bunch of Adam Sandler films where he's a fucking sidekick. And, you know, maybe another film, of course, is a previous episode's knockoff. If you haven't listened to that one, check it out. You'll get to know all the fun details and why he's pretty funny in that film, too. Um, but we also get Leslie Nielsen as the bad guy in this film. We know and love him from the Naked Gun trilogy and the first Airplane, a couple classics. And then he did a whole bunch of other garbage films where he just 
kind of does that whole bumbling idiot, two steps behind everybody else character, kind of typecast that Mr. Magoo, he did great in that, that's basically, he just kept playing the same goddamn character, it was just like, Mr. Magoo is spy hard, Mr. Magoo was whatever the fuck, just every other bullshit title he's done, and just, I mean, he's, he's okay as that character, that's just what he is, I guess, but, I mean, he's got a couple good hits in there, like I said, Naked Gun and Airplane are awesome. And this film, I gotta mention, Tone Loke, you know, he's the best part of the movie, as always, in any film he's in. <laughs> and um, he's also a rapper, so outside of Hollywood, he also, you know, gets on the mic. And he's got a couple big hits from back in the day, Wild Thing. And then we all love Funky Cold Medina, that's a big hit. And then he's done some stuff in Hollywood, like The Voice in Fern Gully. Um, he's done Ace Ventura 1. And then also, one of my favorite roles of his, probably my favorite that is of his, is Blank Check, where he played Juice in that film. So that's a fucking to-be-continued for sure. And Serp Ninjas has a runtime of 87 minutes. It's short and sweet, you know, the way I like it. it. Any more than that, you would be pulling your hair out. And then, I mean, it could definitely be trimmed off quite a bit. There's a lot of nonsense in there, just cutting back and forth of a lot of bullshit dialogue. But that's kind of the trend for any nonsense movie. But... You know, you got to have some development somewhere in there. Got to throw in some nonsense gags. Lots of fighting scenes, which you got to have those. You got to keep that shit in. But 87 minutes, short and sweet, quick, you know, can zip through it. Some fun trivia about the film, though. You know, of course, you know, Sega's all over. It's pretty much a big old commercial for them. But that's because they did help with the financing for the title. And they actually did make a, the game that he plays, the little kid in this film, they made exclusively for this film. They knew fans would be like, oh, I want to play, I want to check that out. So they made a separate title for the Game Gear. It's not the same game he plays, of course. It's basically, from what I've read, it has nothing to do with the movie itself. It's just some random bullshit game that sucked. I've never played it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just that they made a game based on the film and it wasn't a big hit by any means, just like the fucking movie. So, and another fun fact, this movie was originally titled Surf Warriors, but thank goodness they decided to go with Surf Ninjas. It's a much better title. Plus it ties into my show's theme for the month, the way of the ninja. And you guys know, I always talk posters and trailers before we dive into the movie. This poster, eh, it's not too bad. I mean, I guess I like it overall. It's got Ernie Jr., little bro of his, and Schneider all surfing. But they're on one board. I highly doubt you can get three dudes on a board and get it to stay upright. Who knows? Doubt you could do it, though. And oddly enough, they're surfing on top of Leslie Nielsen, who is just drowning underneath them in the waves. And it's it's got bright colors all over the place. You know, you got the bright yellow, the red font for the title. That stands out. And then, you know, you got the big blue wave that they're surfing on. So it looks great. I mean, it really, the, the, the accents of the colors are there. It catches the eye. But, I mean, it's not any big-time names. So it's, not, it's nothing like, oh, I'm dying to see this. But as a kid, I definitely enjoyed seeing that shit on the fucking video store shelves. Trailer-wise, oh, man, this fucking trailer gave me a headache. I mean, it starts with that New Line logo, but it is bright neon colors, of course. And you get somebody, rather than that awesome guy with the deep voice who always, you know, describes the movies, we get fucking some, like Michelangelo from the Ninja Turtles or Spicoli or some dumb stoner asshole doing the voiceover for the trailer. And he basically says, it's a ripping, awesome, totally stoked new movie. And that's the way he describes this shit. So you're already like, oh man, I know what I'm in for. And then he uses that stoner voice to continue to annoyingly describe the rest of the film, which I won't 
mimic of his. I'll just describe the way, you know, just describe the film in general here. It was, you know, little princes must flee their country after a bad guy tries to raid the village, and they do flee to the USA, LA, of course, but ninjas attack them years later and force them to return to their old stomping grounds to reclaim their throne. And along the way, we get Rob Schneider and Tone Loke, who help these surf ninjas out. We get lots of martial arts and ripping waves, not only in the ocean, but in the streets of LA. And I'll talk more about that. This is Surf Ninjas. And I remember the TV spots a lot more than this main trailer. You know, the 30-second clips, which were way fucking better. You know, but as a fat kid in the 90s, I bet watching this theatrical trailer, I was literally drooling to fucking see this shit. You know, but as an adult, it looks like a big, fat pile of garbage that just has not aged well at all. But hey, I'm still excited to go back and rewatch this film after many years. Another little side note, I... Couldn't find the budget anywhere online. I looked high and low. I googled and looked for a full three minutes probably and gave up. Because, I mean, if you can't find it on Google within a couple, one or two pages, it ain't out there. And the gross, though, for the film, it's everywhere. It was a dud. $4.9 million. So I'm assuming they didn't want people to know that they lost a fuck ton of money. So that's why they just buried that budget somewhere. They probably paid extra to not let people know. They said, fuck it, we're just going to cut ties while we can. And you're probably thinking, man, you've bashed the fuck out of this film. It sounds pretty goddamn cheesy. So why the hell are you going to talk about it? And why is it worthy of being a guilty pleasure movie? I'll tell you why. Because as a kid, I loved this movie. And as an adult, I still find it somewhat rewatchable. It's got that stupid humor. But you got Tone Loke and Rob Schneider. What more do you need? They somehow find a way to help out. You know, the martial arts scenes are actually pretty solid, you know. And you get, you know, father and son in there, and you can tell that he's making Papa Bear proud because he learned well from, you know, from his from him. But they're really great. And I'll talk more about that in detail, you know, as we get to the scenes themselves. But and just in general about this film, it's kind of a forgotten title from its time frame, and I'm excited to get it some exposure again. If you haven't seen this film, Surf Ninjas, it's definitely out there. Check it out somewhere. I'll, at the end, I'll let you know where you can find it pretty quickly. But if you haven't seen it in a while, yeah, you're going to be excited to hear more about it and kind of you know go back and take that trip down memory lane. So let's dive into Surf Ninjas. Let's dive into the opening credits. Of course, it's a shot of some surfing. It's some awesome stunt doubles, of course. And they're surfing out to some fucking terrible... Guns N' Roses cover band or some bullshit rock song. But anyways, it cuts to the brothers back home, and they're played by Ernie Reyes Jr., and the other kid is Nicholas Cowan, who didn't do shit after this film, by the way. And their dad in this film, he starts giving them some shit about needing to do their homework, of course. And Ernie Reyes Jr., as Johnny, he does the whole kid power thing of the 90s and says... Yo, Dad, we're stuck in a rut. Can't we just say I love you and have a moment? You know, basically the whole kid power bullshit where you manipulate the adults and take control of any situation, which is definitely not the real-life case ever. And I still fell for the whole kid power shit and kind of miss that element in some kid movies these days. But anyways, they hear a noise from the kitchen, and it's a crazy man with a knife, Rob Schneider, chopping up chives for an omelet. <laughs> so anyways, he's got some underwear, some shit on his head, and a t-shirt that's probably a triple extra large, and the dad makes some remark about how 
you know, Rob Schneider stole his boxers and he's wearing them on the outside of his underwear as regular shorts. So it's some of that totally excellent 90s fashion. And my God, I don't miss that shit at all. But the music wasn't too half bad back then, I guess. But the fashion was terrible. And anyways, these guys, they head out for school. And just behind them, a ninja in blue camo drops in. But Ernie Reyes Sr. as Zatch in this movie is dressed as a homeless man for whatever reason. And he's got an eye patch to go with it. He comes in to fight off the ninja before the kids even notice a thing. And then disappears. And then side note, Rob Schneider's playing a high school in this film. And I don't get it. He does not look like a kid. And Ernie Reyes Jr. doesn't even really look the part. I mean, he even looks like he's maybe a young 20-something. But... Rob Schneider looks like he should be fucking playing the 30-something in this fucking film. Like, he could definitely be, like, the dad, if you will, but... And so, I don't know... The, the red-headed thing, I don't know if that was maybe as disguise him as looking younger, but maybe they should have gone with blonde. I think that would have done the trick. But... And then, so we cue the moto surf scene, which is my favorite part of this movie. It's basically where they're driving to school, and their awesome yellow Jeep with the top off, and they're listening to tone look music... But they stand up while driving and pretend to surf. And so it's a moto surf, dude. And they spot the cops and sit their asses down. And they pull off into their school. Johnny gets there and he's freaking out. Because he remembers he has some big presentation that he has to give for the Baba Ram. Who is there to visit their school. And so he improvises. He uses the school choir to do a rendition of Barbara Ann. But he says it to Ba 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 baram. So very clever. I love this scene. That's probably the most famous scene from this whole movie, what everybody remembers. So it was classic. And anyways, we cut to a shot of the bad guy's lair, and it's Colonel Chi, played by Leslie Nielsen. So what the hell kind of a name is that for Leslie Nielsen? But anyways, and he's got a whole bunch of people chained up, and they're hanging in cages like birds, and. You know, as a villain, he looks pretty ridiculous in a way. You know, somewhat extra evil, I'll admit that. He's got robot hands and half his face is covered in metal like that dude Kano from Mortal Kombat. So, you know, he wears this big samurai-type outfit, so he looks like a big dork. But I guess he kind of pulls it off. And then the colonel, he gets a phone call informing him that the kids are still alive. And he gets friggin' pissed. And so he informs his henchmen, you better find the kids or you will die. And back at the kids' home, you know, they're cleaning up dinner when they go to take out the trash. And they spot the crazy homeless man with the eye patch. Only he dropped the homeless man outfit. Now he's sporting some sweet ninja gear. He's got the whole gi on or whatever. With the sleeves cut off, of course. And we cue a bunch of bad guy ninjas that just break in and a major fight breaks out. And Rob Schneider is always... As always, has an amazing reaction, you know, with those facial expressions that he has. He takes out this bad guy with a plate smash to the face. It's awesome. And Zatch, he's definitely a badass. He's doing kicks. He's jumping off of shit. All kinds of awesome stunts. And even the dad, whose name is Mac, he has some moves for an old dude as he takes out bad guys by using some fucking shit from around the kitchen, some appliances. It's pretty great. But the best part is when Ernie Reyes Sr., He's using the Zatch, he's using the skateboard as a weapon and a shield. And he takes out like four dudes and then just swings his skateboard around like it's a damn sword or something. It is fantastic. 
And then Mac tells Zatch, get the boys and run. And he decides to hang back, you know, take on all 25 bad guys by himself or whatever. So, you know, Zatch and the kids, they go to hide out for a little bit. They kind of wait for things to clear up. And they go back home only to find the dad. He's missing. Where could he be? So Zatch tells him, hey, they took him just like they want to take you. And he gives him this whole life-changing fucking convert, you know, this fucking thing where he tells him, hey, you guys are princes, your dad's a king, let's roll with it. And they're like, holy shit, my life, my world just got turned upside down right now. They don't believe it. But he says, just try to remember something back before you moved to the U.S., back of your homeland, Patusan, as it's called. And so we get to a shot of Patusan, and he's describing the rich history how it was the most peaceful place on earth at one point. But one day when the people of the island were celebrating, they were invaded by Colonel Chi and his army and ninjas. And it was Zatch's role to keep the princes safe from any bad guys. So he fought off Chi, but uh, Chi managed to slice Zatch across the eye, you know, explaining the whole eye patch thing. But we also see that uh, Leslie Nielsen as Chi or whatever, he had his head stepped on by an elephant. Which explains why half his face is metal at this point. So I'm glad they had that kind of character development there. He needed that, of course. And then we see that, or we find out the king and queen are both killed, but the two princes, they managed to escape by having Mac, who worked for the royal family, he took the boys to America to safety. And they also, they also find out that at age 16, the eldest son will be crowned king of Pot Tucson. And Johnny realizes, holy shit, I turned 16 in a couple days. And this sounds kind of great all of a sudden. And so, but we the worst news is, though, that Chi now rules Pa Tucson, and so he's taken over everything, and so it's the boys' destiny to reclaim their royalty. And Rob Schneider, whose name is Iggy in this film, because why the fuck not? You've got to have a dude named Iggy in your film if it's 1993. That's, I think, an unwritten rule. But he informs the others, hey, I called the cops, told him what was going on. They said, just meet us back at the house. We'll get it all taken care of. And so they get there. They explain the whole situation to Detective Tone Loke, who thinks these kids are out of their mind, of course, all this whole ninja business. But, you know, they decided, hey, we're going to just stay with our Uncle Iggy. So cue Rob Schneider rolling up in a wheelchair with a freaking Hitler mustache, and he's using an awful Irish accent telling the kids to get their arses inside. And this is terrible, but hey, Tone Loke buys it, so whatever. And back inside the house, I know Adam's playing his Sega Game Gear. And who remembers the Sega Game Gear, or just Sega in general? I mean, I don't even know if that brand exists anymore, to be honest. But last thing I can remember them doing is the Dreamcast. You know, you know, tweet at me, of course, if I'm wrong. Let me know if some of your memories of what else is out there. But hey, the, I played the Game Gear. I never owned one. Had a cousin that had one. It was a lot of fun. Some cool games. It was neat because it was color compared to the Game Boy that was just that green screen with the fucking little black pixels. So it was pretty awesome for its time, especially. It had a lot of pretty good game selection, too, and all that nonsense. And it was a Sega brand, so you got the blood and the gore and Mortal Kombat, which is the best part. But anyways, the game he's playing, though, it, you know, magically, whatever he was playing before, turns into this game called Surf Ninja. So we get some good product placement here. And the game that he has, though, it... it tells him what will happen in real life before it actually happens so it's 
kind of like a little fortune teller type of thing. And But he gets to decide his fate still, so it gives him the options and all this cool stuff. And whatever you use gives you bonus points. So it's pretty interesting. Kind of a cool little twist on the film. I thought, man, I kind of thought about the end. I was like, that's kind of neat how they did that. I mean, it's obviously it's a big commercial, like I said, for Sega. But that's kind of a cool little tie-in. That the fucking video game is going to help, you know control what's going on in the plot. That's kind of interesting, but... And one of the instances, the first one we see, is actually where a ninja's about to jump off of um, a, a freaking roof to fall on top of them, but <laughs> he sees it about to happen. You know, he sees everything like five seconds before it happens, and so he says, hey, let's scooch to the left, and so the bad guy jumps, but just splats to his death, misses everybody, of course. And then so they eventually set this explosive trap in the house by leaving the oven on and all that shit, and uh, they basically escape out the back. They see the house blow up, leaving them all homeless officially. And Zach explains, hey, you've got no choice but to follow me now because this is your destiny. I'm telling you, just believe me on this, guys. And he takes them to Little Patusan. It's a place in downtown L.A., you know, similar to Little Tokyo. You get it, guys? I know how original. So, anyways, they go to grab some ethnic Patusan grub. And they go inside the restaurant, and then Johnny is told that his king father had arranged a marriage for him, and tonight he'll get to meet his bride-to-be. And she comes into the room doing some belly-dancing-type moves, and Johnny, <laughs> he's amazed at how beautiful she is, And but all he can think of is to say is, hey, you want to go to the mall sometime? And who remembers the mall? I mean, I, I told you, this film screams 1993, but the mall, good memories. I mean, you, I... I no, they still they're still around, but they're not what they once were. You know, it was all the trend. That's where you got all your good shit at. Your shoes, your new clothes. If you wanted to get your, your fucking pretzel, you start, you know, your big old fucking whatever the case, so your chocolate and all that shit. So the mall, it was a good time. But anyway, she reminds him, hey, no need to go on a date because soon. You know, he will get to know, he'll get to do whatever he wants to do with her. And I'm thinking, ew, these are fucking teenagers on here. What are you doing? So, anyways, the next day, the guys go out and explore Little Pot Tucson. And Adam sees a vision on his little future telling game gear. And that the restaurant that they ate at that night before, it's under attack by by some more ninjas. So they run to check it out. And the place is empty, except for a few bad guy ninjas who are holding Johnny's bride to be captive. And the guys rush in. They demand to let her, you know, let her go. And all of a sudden, a big-ass brawl kicks off. And Johnny's warrior skills kick in, and he can't control his legs. It's awesome. He's got the Elvis legs thing going on. Then he just starts roundhousing every motherfucker in sight. And it is glorious. And one of the bad guys almost kills the, dude, or the boys, but Zatch actually sneaks up and saves the day using some chopsticks to the bad guy's nose and he literally tosses him across the restaurant with these chopsticks it is some amazingness and they leave the restaurant after the fight to a standing ovation from the kitchen staff and there's this one part where Johnny's doing the whole celebrating that he's got all these fancy ninja moves and he ends up punching one of the fucking chefs over there and it's actually in the trailer and that's probably my favorite part from the whole trailer that's the one thing i really remember the most because it was all over the tv spots anyway zatch informs the group he knows where mac is and they need to return to pot Dusan to find him and fulfill their destiny so he just throwing it in their faces this is what you guys have to do it's just part of it I'm telling you and the group head out but not far behind is tone loke who catches up to them 
and the boys say, hey, we didn't come this far to give up now. But Tone Loke, he surprises them. He says, I believe you guys, and I'm going with you because I deserve a vacation. So they get on this big old boat, and they arrive at the island, and Zatch, he elects to sink the boat so the bad guys don't spot it. And he says, either we win together or we die together. So very bold on his part, I might say. And they use the Sega to find a cave that contains magical hidden swords. And Johnny actually drops in through a hidden door and yells to the others, I found Waldo! And who remembers Waldo? That was a classic thing back then. I I don't think kids nowadays would have any friggin' clue what that even is. But in the 90s, it was it was all the rave. And anyways, back down in the cave, they're looking around when Zatch grabs a couple of knives and he challenges Johnny to a battle. So Johnny grabs his big old sword from a pedestal and the lights from heaven shine down on him and some music starts playing. But he just says, fuck it, and goes back to this little father-son war. And Johnny eventually wins the fight, though, by some, you know, he makes Zatch fall down and he cuts a huge Z into his shirt and drops a whole Zorro reference which, very nice pop culture reference, I might say, because that still holds up. People know who Zorro is. That's not just a 90s thing. That's a forever thing. And they continue their hike along the island, and uh-oh, Tone Loke and Little Adam fall off a cliff. But this is a PG film, guys, so they just slide down the cliff, and he's Adam's riding Tone Loke like a freaking sled. It's great. But unfortunately for them, they're captured by some bad guy ninjas as soon as they hit the bottom of the cliff. And, you know, Johnny, he spots him from the cliff and he tells him, hey, I'm going to save my brother. You know, fuck Tone Loke. You know, he's trained by the police, police academy, so I'm sure he can hold his own, right? <laughs> so they they slide down the cliff, but they manage to hide before any bad guys spot them. And Johnny, he just, like a fantastic ninja should and would, he drops into this roof of a truck and he takes out some bad guys. And he saves his bro and decides, I'll go ahead and save Tone Loke while I'm at it. And the bad guys, they do eventually spot him. They try to hold him captive, but little Adam, he runs off and steals one of their jeeps and starts running bad guys over. It's hysterical, of course. And the rest of the group, they fight off the bad guys. They hop in the jeep, and they go off on a nice little road adventure. And side note, once again, the fight scenes, they're pretty awesome. And, you know, since Ernie Reyes Jr., he does his own stunt work where, you know, all of his fight scenes in this film, he's doing flips and some pretty badass stuff. So I really thought the fight scenes stood out and are by far the highlight of the movie. They really are are pretty awesome. In another side note, when they notice that Adam is driving, little uh, he makes a total 90s remark of, ain't it bitchin'? And maybe we need to bring back that saying, you know, ain't it bitchin'? Because I feel like that one died maybe a little too early. Like, I think it was back in, like, 2001. It's a little too early for it to die. So it needs to be brushed off and brought back. And then we get a serious a serious LOL moment in the film. You know, when Rob Schneider, of course, that's good. he gives you all the chuckles. But he finds some dynamite sticks in the Jeep. And he just says, he, one of the guys tells him, to, hey, throw it at the bad guys. And he just starts chucking it. He doesn't even freaking light it. He just starts throwing that shit. And he actually hits one of the bad guys, which causes him to swerve and wreck. So it's a nice shot there. Bonus points for a creative kill. But when he finally realizes his bonehead move, he asks for a lighter. And Zatch pulls out a pack of marble reds, some freaking chokes, some cowboy killers. But he's got a big lighter and all. And we get a nice little, you know, PA plug here. Where the he says, Yeah, yeah, I know, I should quit. 
and it's definitely not needed in this type of film, but why not reiterate to kids that smoking is gross, you know, by having some badass ninja in an amazing, in a, who's in amazing kick-ass shape, smoking the number one selling cigarette in the world, yeah, how disgusting. But anyways, Rob Schneider tells him, you should try the patch. And then he breaks the fourth wall and looks at the camera and says, look who I'm talking to. And a nice wordplay on the whole eye patch thing. So I get it. Ha ha ha. You know, this scene is just all around laughable. Maybe not in a, in a not so good way, but it's got maybe a few chuckles. And they fight off all the bad guys. They free some of the, all the locals or free some of the locals to get back to the village. And they spot this island across from Patisan where Colonel Chi's evil lair is. And they notice there are guards with guns everywhere. And the Sega, it's not being much help at this point. So Adam has to use his ninja vision skills. You know, he looks at a forest. And rather than seeing trees, he sees a fuck ton of surfboards just waiting to be carved. And they all pitch in and carve a few hundred surfboards in a matter of minutes. It's excellent. And Johnny yells out, Quan Su, which is some kind of slang word, not sure exactly what it means. Maybe it means fuck yeah in a much cleaner way, and they make it, it take off the whole evil thing. They take off to the whole evil layer or whatever, but um, just magically, literally everyone from Patusan learns to surfboard instantly because, yeah, it's just that fucking easy to do on the first try. So, Hollywood magic at its finest. And Rob Schneider, he's basically creaming his pants because he's just so excited to finally have surfed. All the times he went with his buddies, he was too busy waxing his board, literally waxing his board the whole time. So that's disgusting. Anyways, even Tone Loke learned to surf, which is great. And he makes some awesome, funny remark about how the brothers in the hood better never find out. I can't do the Tone Loke voice, but you know how it would sound. It's basically the quote like that. So they arrive at the evil island and they start throwing dynamite all over the place, but when the bad guys aren't looking, it, they just and so shit's just blowing up to bits, and the you know, bad guys are scrambling, and we get another classic LOL moment when Johnny gives Rob Schneider a sword and says, have at it, and so he, but Rob Schneider, he just lifts it over his head and starts running around and yelling like a madman. It's, I seriously was, I just laughed, it was great, just, I love his reactions, and so we get a giant fight that breaks out, and once again, a lot of more great fight scenes here, and we get some good highlights of Ernie Reyes Sr. in this spot as he takes on five bad guys at once, <laughs> and he's using some handy-dandy nun nunchucks. And we finally get some Tone Loke action sequences as he starts beating up on all these dudes LAPD style. It's excellent. And Chi brings out Mac with a gun to his head, and then he tries to shoot Johnny, but Zatch dives in in front of the bullet. You know, Adam tosses his Sega at Chi to disarm him, and Chi runs away. And so Zatch survives, luckily, but Johnny vows to bring down Chi and goes after him. And they begin to fight each other, but Adam, using that freaking awesome Sega, it's the, it's got it's, it's its own character at this point. It should have its own goddamn credit. I'm sure they... I didn't check the credits, but I'm sure there's Sega all over the fucking place. Trust me. <laughs> Anyways, he makes, you know... He's using his video game to make him go haywire. He basically... It's somehow linked in whatever to the whole fucking hand, the robot hand. And then it does its whole, you know, choking him where he makes him choke himself. And then he, we even get a great shot of him punching himself in the balls. So nothing like a good nut shot laugh. And then Johnny pushes him into this big bowl of water. 
and Leslie Nielsen is just done for. He's electrocuted. Sparks are flying everywhere. He is extra crispy, folks. <laughs> and later on, the people of Patusan, they're free again. They have a big celebration where they get to crown their new king. You know, Adam gives a big speech by yelling, Quan Su! Quan Su! Just over and over. My God. But anyways... It's a surefire way to get the people of Pakistan just extra hyped for sure. They're fucking going bananas. And then he even says, I'm not sure what it means, but he even his guess is, I think it means free beer. And I, I like his prediction a lot more than mine of, fuck yeah. So the people, you know, they just start yelling Kwansu all over the place. And I think what I might, stup- might start doing is yelling, you know, Kwan Su at St. Patty's Day or just whenever I feel like buying around for everyone. Hey guys, Kwan Su. You know, whenever you're at the bar, people are like, this, cut this dude off. And I'm like, I haven't even started yet. So, <clears throat> anyways, Johnny then gives his big speech and his first order is to drop the monarchy and make it a democracy. So the people can be free. Because yay, taxes and laws that everyone is equally divided on. But I won't talk politics here. Anyways, the fine fi- the film, you know, it ends with everyone, you know, freaking dancing and singing to the song Barbara Ann. So it's one big fun party. And end credits. Woo! Surf Ninjas. And so this movie is so bad, it is fucking wonderful. And I'll be honest, I truly enjoyed rewatching this, even with some extra cringe-worthy moments. It's just a lot of fun. And I really thought the fights looked great. And I enjoyed seeing Ernie Jr. and Sr. doing their own stunt work and making the fight scenes extra awesome. I'm sure they enjoyed working together, father and son, extra bonding time. And for just under a $5 million budget, the film looked pretty well made. You know, even for its time, I mean, there was great shots all over the place as far as filming locations on the islands. Um, you could tell they, they filmed in L- or around the parts of different parts of California, probably in Southern California. So it just it looked really nice. It looked beautiful at times. I mean, it looked 90s Cali. It was cool. And, and for some reason, Rob Schneider, he always finds a way to make me laugh at least once or 26 times in every film he's in. So he's great. I'm going to give it a recommendation. It's not quite a five-star, but it's definitely worthy of four stars. You know, it's not on Netflix or Hulu or any of the streaming services, so you have to dive into a $5 bin somewhere to check it out. Or, if you want to watch it for free right now, I won't say the name because I don't want to get in trouble or have it taken down, but my daughter, what she likes to watch things on is LooTube. Good old LooTube. LooTube. So check it out, guys. And next week's clue... It's we're kicking off round three of the way of the ninja month, and for ninjas, that's not one, it's not even two, but yes, three, three ninjas. This is similar to Surf Ninjas, only better, and it's similar to Ninja Turtles, only not as good. It's an in betweener, and so definitely look forward to that. That's another classic 90s film to look forward to. I think most people have heard of this one. have probably seen it if you're, if you're around my age, an old man that is. So definitely look forward to that one. And as far as if you can't, you know, if you just can't get enough of the show, you want to get interactive, check out the Facebook page, Guilty Pleasure Movies. I've actually got a couple polls going on. I got Rocky 3 versus Rocky 4. 
these are definitely awesome, you know, movies, uh, the franchise, definitely well-known, huge hits. And I want you guys to help me decide what is the superior sequel here. So I just got to know. And then we get another poll, Friday the 13th versus Nightmare on Elm Street, or actually Freddy versus Jason. So let me know which of those franchises you like more, which of the bad guys or the slashers is more killer, more awesome, more badass. So help decide the better franchise there. And, of course, you can always message and tweet at me. It's GPM underscore podcast. Um, I do have polls going on there. They don't last quite as long. They're a week on Twitter, whereas on Facebook they're usually two. So maybe you can catch a little bit of the in, in the tail end on Twitter, but definitely check it out for at least a little bit longer on Facebook. And wherever you check out the show, please rate and review. Please and thank you, as always. And hey, gang, I want to thank you again for tuning in. You know, I really appreciate all the support. I hope you enjoyed this, this episode. And until next time, to be continued. to the creator of our opening and closing theme songs, musical genius Dan Pfeiffer. If you enjoy those tracks, you can listen to them along with many more of his at the app Reverb Nation. Search his channel name, Dan Pfeiffer. That's spelled P-F-E-I-F-E-R. Dan the man, thanks again. Oh, thank you.